Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I want to talk about the, uh, the Aurora, Texas UFO crash of 1897. This is a very interesting story. I always enjoyed uh, this story. Um, basically, there was an article that appeared in the back in 18 on in eight, uh, April 19th, 1897 in, in the Dallas Times Herald, uh, an article about this UFO crash. Basically, uh, well, at the time there was these air. A lot of airships were being spotted. You know. Uh, from 18, 1896, 1897, a lot of people across the country were uh, seeing these giant airships. And uh, some of them you know, apparently were moving slow. Some of them were moving, some people saw them moving through the sky at, uh, you know, 200 miles an hour. And these giant cigar shaped uh, objects were, were seen in a lot of places throughout the country at the time. But anyway, finally, apparently, uh, one of these things crashed. And this was in uh, Aurora, Texas, a small little town in Texas called Aurora. And this article was in the Dallas Times-Herald. And this is what the article stated. It said, uh, about 6 o'clock this morning, the early risers of Aurora were astonished at the sudden appearance of the airship, which has been sailing throughout the country. It was traveling due north and much nearer the earth than before. Evidently, some of the machinery was out of order, for it was making a speed of only 10 or 12 miles an hour and gradually settling toward the earth. It sailed over the public square, and when it reached the north part of town, collided with the tower of Judge Proctor's windmill and went to pieces with a terrific explosion, scattering debris over several acres of ground, wrecking the windmill and water tank, and destroying the judge's flower garden. The pilot of the ship is supposed to have been the only one aboard, and while his remains are badly disfigured, enough of the original has been picked up to show that he was not an inhabitant of this world. Mr. T.J. Weems, the U.S. Signal Service officer at this place and an authority on astronomy, gives it his opinion that he was a native of the planet Mars. Papers found on his person, evidently the records of his travels, are written in some unknown hieroglyphics and cannot be deciphered. The ship was too badly wrecked to form any conclusion as to its constructive construction or motive power. It was built of an unknown metal resembling somewhat a mixture of aluminum and silver, and it must have weighed several tons. The town today is full of people who are viewing the wreckage and gathering specimens of strange metal from the debris. The pilot's funeral will take place at noon tomorrow. And this article was written by a reporter named E. E. Hayden. And according to uh, the late uh, Jim Mars, uh, he was a journalist. He died a, f a few years ago. He wrote a book uh, that was re uh, published in 1997 called Alien Agenda. Uh, he investigated this case. But anyway, he wrote in his book that a similar story uh, was published in the Fort Worth Register 
but in this account, it did not mention the hieroglyphics and stated simply, the pilot, who was not an inhabitant of this world, was given Christian burial in the Aurora, Aurora Cemetery. Now, uh, this story popped up, came to light. I mean, I guess it was after this happened, it was buried for a long time because nobody talked about it. Uh, I guess it was just, you know, forgotten. I, I mean, I, if it's true, you know, you could look at this. It's almost like, you know, people in 1897, you know, there was a simpler mindset than, you know, 50 years later or 100 years later, you know, or today. You know, I mean, if something like this happened, I guess back then it'd be like, well, <laughs> I guess there's, you know, what could you do? Okay, it crashed. This 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 uh, uh, pilot is dead, and I guess we just bury him and just move on with our lives. I mean, there's nothing we could do about it. You know, it just seems like there. You, you would have thought that you know, uh, you know, some scientists would have you know been interested in, in looking at this thing and looking at the wreckage and looking at the at the body of the occupant. You know, but apparently that none of that has happened. But then again, this article appeared on page five of that five of that newspaper. It was only a little small piece, and just maybe nobody thought it was that big of a deal at the time. And just you know, time marched on. Nobody ever, no, nobody of uh, 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 you know who who would have thought this was something that should be investigated scientifically. You just never knew about it. Never knew about it, and just time went on. Now in uh, 1973. Uh, this thing became uh, Jim Mars. You know, he learned about this story in 1973, and him and some other uh, reporters, you know, looked decided to look into it. And it was actually they found a, there was a apparently a grave spot, you know, and and a little marker there, a little headstone where this uh, occupant was buried. But the townspeople wouldn't let them dig it up to verify. And apparently there was uh, pieces of metal from the wreckage that was buried in, in the hole with this, uh, uh, with, with the pilot. But uh, they wouldn't let them, eventually somebody uh, stole the headstone and also they somehow sucked the, they used some sort of tubes that they put in the ground and sucked out the metal and some people think it might have been the United States government who did this in 1973, but nobody's really sure. But uh, and and there were a few people who were interviewed that Mars and other reporters had interviewed in '73, and some of these people who were alive, you know, at the time of the of this alleged crash, you know, there was some people that uh, there was a couple people that said they heard it was a hoax, and then there was some people who said no, it wasn't a hoax, you know, that this really happened. There was one guy, according to Mars here. Uh, named Charlie C. Stevens, and uh, Mars wrote, he was 83 in 1973 and, although somewhat physically enfeebled, appeared to retain a clear mind. Speaking through the screen door of a relative's house, he told me that he had always declined to talk to reporters about the crash because he didn't want to get involved. Finally, after some neighborly conversation, Stevens loosened up and gave this account. As a boy less than 10 years old, he was with his father putting some cattle out to pasture on the morning of April 19, 1897, when the pair saw a cigar-shaped object with a bright light pass overhead. The craft was very low and moved straight ahead toward Aurora, about three miles to the north. The pair then heard what seemed to be an explosion, and a fire lit up the northern sky for several minutes. And I wanted to go immediately and see what had happened, Stevens recalled, but my daddy said we had to finish our chores. 
Stevens said his father rode a horse into town the next day. Returning to the family farm, he described a mass of torn metal and burned rubble. He made no mention of the pilot. This struck me as a credible detail. According to the contemporary accounts, the pilot was buried the same day as the crash. So when Stevens' father was in town, there was no body to view, and being a conservative farmer type, he declined to talk about anything he had not personally seen. But the elder Stevens had no trouble talking about the crash. During the years I was growing up, he told me the story many times, recalled Stevens, adding he was almost 20 years old before he heard about the dead pilot. That's very interesting. So, I mean, this kid grew up. I mean, he didn't know about the that there was a pilot there. He's almost twenty years old. So, this was something they were still talking about, you know, in the early nineteen hundreds. I mean, it happened in eighteen ninety seven, you know. So, it must have been, you know, maybe around nineteen oh seven, nineteen oh eight, somewhere, where he heard about the pilot firing. And according to Mars, Mars here, there for you know, for every claim about this being real, there was always a counterclaim, and. uh and he was only left with one witness, Stevens. Uh, uh, you know, some bit they did they did retrieve some bits of the metal, and and some of it uh, uh, that was some of the metal that was allegedly found at the crash site. They they did get a hold of that, and 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 some of it was they were they weren't unable to determine what it, what it was. Um, but uh, you know, it's very interesting. You you think that. Uh, this is a story that it, I mean, it could be true. And now th there's been uh, other investigations over the last, you know, 15, 20 years on this. And, you know, some of them, you know, some people say it was, you know, they, they claim it was a hoax. Um, but I don't know about that. I mean, it seems, it seems possible. It seems like this is something that, uh, you know, it makes sense. Like, like back at this time in 1897, for one thing, I mean, the United States government wasn't concerned about, you know, wouldn't be having any concern, military concern at this time of anything like that. They probably wouldn't even think about it. You know, again, people more were more simple minded at this time. They were things were easier in life. Now, of course, if you're going to go to uh, 18, or 1947 with Roswell, then, you know, the government looked at things a little bit differently. And, you know, I think, you know, th th that's where we could uh, we could talk about the differences between those two cases. Well, the difference between between Roswell and Aurora is in Roswell. I mean, this was after you know World War One, World War Two, and and the and the very beginning of the Cold War with the Soviet Union. So you know, the United States government was going to certainly look at you know a crashed object from outer space a little bit differently than it might have looked at it in 1897. However, you know, to be fair, I don't think the government, you know, I don't think the, you know, anyone in the government, you know, really, you know, if they, yet now apparently there was a, a, a U.S. Army signalman there. I'm not sure if he even like brought it up to any superiors. And if he did, I don't know if they even gave even cared. They probably, well, what are we going to do? You know, what are we going to do? I mean, okay. Some airship crashed from, you know, and the guy, the occupant, you know, it's not even of this earth. I mean, what do we do with that? What are we going to do? We, you know, you know, there's no, they're not, they're not even driving in cars yet there, you know. So, I mean, it was just at a time when, you know, any of these things would have seemed completely, you know, useless. You know, it would have been too, too uh, beyond them at the time to even think about, uh, 
you know, using any any aspect, any like try to make use out of any of the wreckage that they found or any of the metals. I don't think there was anything they could have done. You know, if this story is true, which I think it is, my belief is this Aurora story is true. Now, in 1947, of course, the, the crash at Roswell, that's different. Okay. Again, like I said, World War One, World War Two, Cold War. Okay, something crashes. Okay, we we need to figure this out. Okay, how does this this thing work? Okay, let's keep this thing a secret. We're gonna we're gonna tell everybody who saw it to shut up, and we're gonna let the uh, only a certain group of people, uh, top officials and scientists, know about this and study it and try to figure it out and try to reverse engineer it somehow. Or you know, but we got to keep this top secret. I you know, we might cause a panic. You know, and plus there's other military reasons we got to keep this a secret. I understand that. I think that's what i don't think you know harry truman at the time he was the president i don't think he him and the other top officials had any choice in 1947 but to keep roswell a secret but 50 years earlier you know it was a different story people were just they were simpler it was like you know like children you know it's almost like a, a child who um you know you tell a child hey santa claus is, you know comes every christmas and Christmas morning, like he, he he shows up to every house in the world, and and on Christmas morning, you receive Christmas Christmas presents from Santa Claus, and you know there's millions of kids who you know seven six seven eight that believe this, you know they believe this, you know, and I think in 1897, you know, you know that's the same. I think the people in Aurora, Texas, and people who heard about that story, you know, they just accepted it, just like children today like, would accept, you know, Santa Claus. Yeah, aliens crashed. Yeah, okay. Well, there's nothing we could do about it, so let's just you know move on with our lives. We'll bury him in the cemetery. We'll give him a nice Christian burial, and then uh, move on. But uh, yes, it's very possible the story is true. I mean, again, I guess the the only really proof of anything is the newspaper article and also the comments that are were you know that Jim Mars found from that. Uh, elderly gentleman at the time in 1973 who i'm sure is now deceased uh, and that's it i think that's you know if you study that case you know it's there's and there were a few people who claimed that it was a hoax they heard it was a hoax there was this woman named edda uh, peg pegu pegus p-e-g-u-e-s i don't know how you pronounce that we'll call her pegs uh, she was a stringer for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, which, you know, somebody who puts in little articles. Uh, she was a ma major source for the news media regarding the crash. This is written in the Jim, uh, Jim Mars's book. It's all a hoax, she said flatly. I have talked to people who were alive then. They all said Judge Proctor had no windmill. Her primary source of information was Robbie Hansen. Robbie Reynolds Hansen said, they're still trying to bring up the hoax about the spaceship. Apparently, Hansen was uh, 12 years old on the day of the crash. Her family lived outside of town, and no one knew anything about it until a man rode by several days later and told a story. I remember my father remarked that the judge outdid himself that time, she recalled. Wise County Historical Commission Chairwoman Rosalie Gregg has consistently decried the Aurora story as a hoax. Her primary source of information was Etta Peggs. So, <laughs> yeah, this is interesting. Now, so you have this... Pegs, Pegs rather, who received this story from Robbie Reynolds, Robbie Reynolds Hansen, who wasn't there. 
She, her family lived outside of town, so she was telling everybody it's a hoax all these years, and they just took her word for it. And then this other lady told this other lady, and she she's saying it's a hoax too because that lady told her. So it's all second and third and fourth hand testimony to each other. It's all like rumor, except the one guy whose dad actually did go see the crash and saw the stuff that was different. So Charlie Stevens, he his father saw it. So it's very interesting. And of course, you know, Jim, you know, himself, he, he, he writes that he was undecided on the case. He says, he wrote, I have tried to convince myself there was nothing to the story, but there were too many oddities. The context of the great airship mystery, the small grave containing significant bits of metal, the puzzling fragment, the deformities of the Oates family, the recollection of Charlie Stevens. The, what the Oates family is, there were people that the, apparently some of the, uh, these, uh, the metal was dropped into a well uh, at Proctor's farm. And uh, this well was later bought by the Oates family. And some members of that family developed deformities over there. And some people think maybe it had something to do with radiation. You know, that might be, that's, that might have nothing to do. Maybe the deformities had nothing to do with that. So, and here uh, Mars also writes, and if the story was merely a hoax, why would anyone use sophisticated equipment to serotypically remove serotypically serotypically remove the metal from the grave? So you know, you know that was another interesting thing when they were investigating this at the trying to you know get permission from the town to to dig up that grave. You know, finally somebody you know behind their backs so showed up and poked some holes in the ground and used some sort of vacuum device to suck out the metal that was you know buried six feet deep. And so they never got to look at what that metal was or probably the, the remains of the being that was buried there. I mean, I'm sure there were still bones there. And then here uh, Mars continues to compound to, to, to compound the puzzle. Years later, my wife, who was teaching school in the area, was told in all seriousness by uh, James Idell that his grandfather had helped bury the pilot described as a three foot tall, big headed spaceman. The son also said his father knew who took the headstone but wouldn't elaborate, indicating some kind of official secrecy. The Aurora crash story underscores the problems and issues involved in seeking the truth about UFOs. The problem of unreliable witnesses on all sides is magnified by what appears to be official complicity in the maddening lack of physical evidence. Yeah, so that's that's what happens. You know, not only you have to, you're dealing with people who, are not you know you know you're you're dealing with different multiple stories some people saying it's a hoax some people saying it's not and then on top of it you, you know you're trying to or you 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 figure out a way to prove this and you want to dig up the grave where this guy's buried where this spaceman was buried and you know they won't let you dig it up and then after they don't, you know they, they, they these people actually were standing guard outside the cemetery and then the one night they don't stand guard somebody snuck in there you know, poked some holes in the ground and sucked everything out somehow. The metal and probably the remains of the spaceman. But I mean, had they allowed, had these, the cemetery organization allowed these investigators back in 1973 to exhume the body of this being, you know, that might have proved everything right then and there. I mean, you would have had bones of some being. I mean, I'm sure the bones would have still been there. You would have had the bones of this spaceman. They could have been, you know, looked at and, and studied and, and, and tested and 
God knows what 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 would have been determined. It might have been determined that this is a, 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 a creature of you know a being that's you know is not human, but you know it's it's not it's not anything that we have in our books. I mean that's that that could have you know closed that case. You know we could all be you know everybody could have went home right then and there, but of course, of course that's not going to happen. You know, even that, even that said, though, however, I, I, I would imagine even the, you know, the government at that time, whether whether it's them who who stole, who stole the, you know, the materials that were buried there, and and uh, the, you know, the remains of the spaceman had it been them that that did that, uh, you know, that could, I mean, that's possible. I mean, that's that's possible. I mean, I, they, they, I, I believe that at that, you know, throughout the seventies, eighties, the government was still trying to maintain secrecy. I mean, right up until, you know, that in the fiftieth anniversary of the Roswell crash in nineteen ninety seven, I mean, the Air Force came out with, uh, you know, with different reports trying to, you know, claim that, you know, it was weather uh, a weather balloon that that uh, people saw, which which is a totally ridiculous story. And then even to make the story worse, even more ridiculous. They, they tried to say that the alien bodies that people saw at Roswell were actually anthropom- anthropomorphic dummies that were, you know, dropped during, uh, uh, you know, tests, you know, you know, dropped from high altitudes to see, you know, how a human, you know, how a, you know, how, what, 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 what high jumping from high altitudes would be like for a human being. And these, and some, and these people saw these, uh, re- the dummies laying in a desert. Now, you look at these images of the Roswell dummies that they're talking about. I mean, you have to be a dummy to believe that story. It's just completely, absolutely ridiculous. That's not what the people describe seeing. The people in Roswell, uh, in ninth, you know, people who were witnesses uh, to seeing uh, crashed spaceship, crashed uh, debris from the spaceship, and alien bodies. Those people describe, you know, you know, short, three foot tall. Beings, you know, with large almond-shaped eyes, slanted, uh, oval heads, large oversized heads, you know, bigger than their, you know, oversized for the size of their bodies, uh, you know, no hair, bald. I mean, just, you know, the classic gray alien. That's what they saw. That's what people said they saw. They didn't see, you know, anybody could look at a dummy. You know, it's the same, a mannequin dummy. They're all the same. They all look, you know what they, right when you look at it, two seconds later, you could say, oh, yeah, that's a a dummy right there. That's a dummy. Yeah, but you saw something. I mean, you'd be able to identify it. And when you see, when you saw the pictures that that the Air Force provided, you know, as part of their uh, report to to, uh, debunk the entire Roswell story in 1997, you realize that this is, this is complete nonsense. But see, at that time, the government was still trying to maintain this fiction that that it was weather balloons and you know not a UFO, not a crash. But the, see, the whole problem with Roswell again, you, you know, it starts in the late seventies when, when this start, starts coming to light and and you know and, and people start stepping forward. You know, people who directly handle this material, who you know, like Jesse Marcel, who was you know a major in the United States uh, Army, you know. He 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 handled these these materials. He saw them and he knew they were. He knew what weather balloon. He knew the difference between a weather balloon and and something you know that metals that he never saw before. That 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 you know you couldn't bend it or break it. And then there was other metals that they found that if you crumpled it up, it was something like aluminum foil it would just fold right back out again. Perfect, look perfect. So that that was that they're the kind of materials that you know nobody ever saw before. But the government had to cover it, cover it up. And I understand. I understand. It makes sense. I mean, 
you know, there's people I know. I mean, I've been telling, there's people in my family, people, friends, certain friends. You know, I tell them, you know, the experience that I had, uh, you know, seeing, a, a, you know, a, an object that's definitely not human made. You know, I saw it up close and personal. And, you know, I'll, I'll talk about that, that incident on this on this uh, new podcast I'm doing at some point, you know, I mean, they have trouble after all these years of me telling the same stories, the same stories over and over again, they still have trouble believing it. You know, there's just some people out there that just don't want to, they don't want, they, they, they want to keep the status quo. They want to keep it the way it is. They don't want to think that there's beings from other planets coming here and there's nothing we can do we we don't know what they're doing they could do whatever they want and there's nothing we can do and i think a lot of people just don't want to believe that however there are a lot of other people who you know want more answers they they, they want to you know i have questions you know i have lots of questions i know there's a lot of other people out there you know you, you see them on on youtube you heard they're on podcasts i mean joe rogan talks about it all the time you know, I don't think he's, you know, he, he's unsure though, it still seems like even though I, I, but see then I don't think he ever, he never said he claimed to see anything. You know, I saw some things, you know, I saw a UFO and there was some other things. I had another incident, you know, when I was a kid, that's very strange. And that will be for another, I'll save that for another uh, podcast. All those stories, there was three different uh, stories I could tell you. And uh, I, you know, it's there are things that are just beyond comprehension, but at the same time, you got to accept it. You got to accept it. I mean, reality, you know, chances are, you know, the first idea that comes to your mind when you saw, when anybody looks at those Pentagon videos, those recently, you know, uh, confirmed objects that the Pentagon is stating that they have no idea what they are, when anybody first looks at them, they know. The first thing that comes to your mind, aliens. That's the first, that, and that's your first thought is correct. Because what else? It's not coming from China. China doesn't have a technology like this. Uh, Russia, no, they don't have technology like this. The United States is the most powerful, the the, the, the the most technologically advanced military in the entire history of Earth, as far as we, as far as humankind goes. <laughs> you know, so. Anyway, uh, I'm going to bring an end to this discussion for uh, this topic for now. I, I want to say I, uh, this is my only my second podcast, my second uh, episode. And I, I, I'm in the process of obtaining uh, better audio equipment and uh, to make, uh, you know, better sounding uh, podcasts in the future. So uh, please bear with me until I get to that point. But uh, uh, thank you for listening. <laughs>